Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Here we go. It's another installment of the Rosie Report Spring Training Edition. This is episode number three from Goodyear, Arizona. I'm Jim Rosenhouse, and thanks so much for tuning in as we recap a busy day of baseball on Tuesday, both in Goodyear and in Peoria, Arizona, as the Guardians had a split squad, and we'll get to the details on that shortly. But coming up in just a little bit, we will hear from Bench coach DeMarlo Hale, a coach's edition of uh, the podcast today, as we'll hear from DeMarlo on some of what it takes to put together a well-oiled spring training in terms of getting things done and being organized. He's basically in charge of that entire operation to make sure everyone gets their work in on a daily basis. And shortly, we'll also hear from pitching coach Carl Willis discussing some of the challenges of the new pitch clock rules and how they impact pitching, specifically Guardians uh, pitchers, both starters and relievers. But first, to look back at Tuesday's action in Peoria, the split squad portion of the doubleheader, so to speak, saw the Mariners defeat the Guardians by a final score of 9-8 to on a late home run. That was a game where Cleveland fell behind 8-1 to early, battled all the way back only to see it slip away late. Somewhat similar back home as a late rally by the Royals in Goodyear saw Kansas City come away with a 12-6 victory, but that certainly did not overshadow the good work of Tristan McKenzie on the mound as McKenzie was very sharp for two scoreless innings. And we also saw the first Cactus League home run from newly acquired first baseman Josh Bell. So some good things happening in both of those ball games on Tuesday. Today, a radio game for you. At 3.05, the Guardians will take on the Chicago White Sox in Glendale, Arizona. Tom Hamilton will have that first pitch for you again at 3.05 against Chicago. Before the action yesterday, Carl Willis met with the Cleveland media and had a chance to go over some of the challenges that the new pitch clock rules are presenting. And it's more than just 15 seconds between pitches, 20 if there's a runner on base, and some of the things that happen between innings. So let's listen in on some of Carl's thoughts on how things are progressing. I think early on, it's really affected how we watch the game just because it's new to us. It seems like we're watching a lot of things that typically we haven't watched before, like the clock specifically. Um, 
but no different than the players. You know, the staff will adjust. The players are going to adjust. Um, I think, you know, my feeling about it is, so one thing we have working on our advantage is we're relatively young pitching staff. Um, so I think we will be able to adapt quicker. That's my hope. Um, my fear of it is it's not how it necessarily it affects the performance. I, I worry about the starters um, and, you know, their volume. And as they get deeper in games and all of a sudden you got to back up a base, you got to cover first, you know, things happen and yet you're still, you know, under the clock um, that that rhythm and cadence picks up. And so typically in a tough inning, a long inning, you're going to tire more quickly. And when that happens, you, you're at more risk of injury. And that's what we're always trying to avoid. So that's my concern about it. But, hey, the rules, the rule is the rule. And we're going to we're going to adapt to it and, and play by the rules. And, again, we're young. I think we'll adjust quickly. Do you guys have any clarity yet on if pitchers will be allowed to call their own pitches before the – Well, they, they are – allowed to do that in spring training. Um, somewhat surprisingly, to this point in spring, none of our guys have really been interested in doing that. Um, but it's something that the league will determine from feedback that they get, obviously, from other clubs. And it may be a time in our camp that a couple of guys decide to do it and, and get a feel for whether they like it or not. Um, so, you know, we'll see where that goes. Good enough. You guys have a chance to talk to Michael Hill. And some we did. Anything help you feel like for your guys? Are there any questions that stood out? I think I think there were some clarifications about a couple of things. Okay, in particular, so the umpires are. This is all new to the majority of them too. So we've had a couple of situations. Um, Karen Jack asking for a new ball the other day. Right. Actually, the clock should have restarted because right. if you ask for the ball before eleven second or the nine second yeah. mark. Oh, is that what it is? It, yeah. it, it, it is allowed to restart. If it's after, well, you're in trouble. Um, so, you know, mistakes get made as they're all learning this. Um, backing up a base, we had Quantrill back up third in the first game. And when he came back, as he came back to the mound, when he crossed the third baseline, they started the clock. They're supposed to start the clock once he gets back to the mound. So, you know, that was yeah. a decent amount of time that he didn't get. Right. So, you know, there's those clarifications helped. Um, and, and again, we understand, you know, the, the, the umpire, everyone's learning this. It's, it's, and the guys are sitting up in the press box, even if the umpires, maybe they didn't, he's starting the clock early. Because I, I noticed earlier he was starting at late early. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. was. Right. Now, are those the guys that are going to use during the year? So we were told that the guys who will be doing it in the regular season, I think all 30 clubs, wh whoever that person is, they're going to come here. They're not all here now, but okay. they will come to spring training to get the practice, if you will, of, right. of doing it in the whole yeah, cadence of it. Because yeah. consistency is obviously the most important thing. Right. You don't want to go to Chicago and the clock is you know, right. slow. It's like it's fast. Yeah, it's like it's continually running in one place. <laughs> the other place, they're actually giving you time to get on the rubber, you know, so – I'm sure that'll that'll work itself out. How do you guys, when you have an open bullpen spot, like what are you evaluating 
to determine who's the best fit? Um, honestly, at this juncture of spring training, you know, we're just trying to get guys out there in games, get their feet underneath them um, as, as we go along, you know, start to tighten up things, start to sequence, you know, see what pitches. I mean, obviously we have all the data, but, but get feedback from the hitters. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, strike throwing, controlling the running game, filling your position, you know, those are three um, of the biggest components that we look for. And obviously, you know, durability, you know, depending on what we're looking for in that role, whether it's a multiple inning guy or, you know, a guy in a leverage situation, um, you know, we're going to look at their durability or, or the volume they have that they can maintain their stuff. To that end, does a guy like Toussaint check a lot of boxes for you and that he's got some experience, he starts, leaves, and he's done a lot of things already? Yeah, no doubt about it. He, he started the major leagues. He's relieved the major leagues. Um, you know, this stuff's never been a question. So I, I think he does check a lot of those boxes. But that's not to say really that, you know, there's a leg up. We're really excited to have him. I think as an organization, we've tried to acquire him in the past, and now finally we have him in our camp. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see where that takes us. Is he a guy that, I don't remember right, is it like consistent command? Is he, can he get wild at times? That... Um, you know, I looked at his peripheral numbers last year. You know, the, the his innings pitch were good. Strikeouts were good. Truthfully, seemingly, he, he got skewed. His numbers got skewed by the walks. Um, and I think in talking to him, um, particularly with left-handed hitters, seemingly there was – you know, more of an issue than the right-handed hitters last year at any rate. So, um, yeah, I think consistency, which really comes back to repeating a delivery to allow you to be consistent, you know, commanding the baseball. You guys haven't had much time with him just yet, but seeing someone like Tim Heron, what, what have you guys learned about him so far? So he's really exciting. You know, he, he kind of first last year, he came up here and backed up and he had an outing that, as I recall, wasn't a terrible outing, wasn't a great outing. It was kind of just, you know, he went out and got us three outs that we needed. He didn't control the count that well, but his stuff stood out. Um, and I think there were conversations had with him at that time about that and just, you know, you've got the tools, you've got the pitches. It's just gaining more confidence in yourself and honing all that in. Um, so we've seen one outing um, pretty darn good, maybe the best inning, you know, we've seen all year. Uh, and just hopefully he can continue to gain confidence because he, he definitely has the pitches and the arm strength, you know, everything you're looking for, particularly from a left-hander. You see Kate Smith the other day pitch yeah. game two? Yeah. They pitched game one. First game. First game. He's going to the Canadian team. Next yeah, he is. Yep. He's got, got a big body. Big body, good fastball, added a split, uh, throws a slider, you know, has, you know, in, in talking with our player development people, you know, he, he's a leader, you know, with our, our minor league clubs. You know, he's a guy that uh, his teammates, guys in the bullpen gravitate to, so. Again, a lot, lot to like there. What do you think of Quantrill messing with the – I know he said something to Zach and he said something to me about messing with possibly throwing a split. 
Yeah, he's thrown a split um, in his bullpens. He's thrown it in YBP. Um, it's a very interesting pitch. He's got a good profile. He's got some depth on the end that may create a little more swing and miss in his game. Um, but we kind of, as the games now have started, we've taken the approach that, not that we're putting it way on the back burner, but we want to make sure we start out by really trying to, you know, tighten up his primary pitches and his strengths that he's going to obviously need when the season starts. And then as we get that process going, start to add the split in the game. I mean, just splits, do they do it on their own? Do they tinker with it or learn from Well, they learn from other people a lot. So we talked about it at the end of last season, Art. Um, Cal actually brought it up. I think it's a pitch he may have thrown in the past when he was younger. Um, You know, again, looking for a swing and miss pitch. Um, Swing and miss is great. Nothing bad can happen, you know. But I think Cal's game is – you know, you get you get guys out three pitches or less. You're going to pitch a lot of innings. But but knowing that when you're in that situation and you need a punch out, or you're in that count and you get a punch out, you know, having something different, something to go to. But he's talked a lot with Trevor Stephan about his split. Yeah. And uh, I think I think Cal got a, a really good foundation set with it, and and then talking to Trevor. You know, was able to kind of manipulate a little bit, make a little adjustment to, to make it even better. That is a field pitch. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. When a guy adds a pitch like that, is it easier than they want to do it rather than if you're pushing it? You know what I mean? The cow. I, you know what? I think um, that pitch, yeah. If it's a cutter, it's slider, you know, one of the more traditional yeah. type of pitches, um, that's a little easier for us to go to and say, hey, you know, how about let's talk about adding a cutter? You know what that could do to widen your plate or whatever the effect you're looking for. But when you talk about a split, because it is a different grip, it's a different uh, stress on the arm. You, you have to have buy-in, and I think with it, you know, he brought it to us. Right. We dug in with the medical side just to make sure that we weren't going down a road that you know could cause issues. Is that a pitch where not, no two guys throw it exactly like? Because I've heard some guys will like jam it in almost like a bark ball. Yeah, it is. And you know, Matt, some guys, some guys want the seams. They want to pull down on the seams. Other guys don't want the seams. They're on the wide of the ball. You know, the seam orientation varies from pitcher to pitcher. Um, it's just, it's just kind of a comfort. And a lot of it, you know, if you're in Cal's case, I mean, he throws a four seamer and a two seamer, but a lot of that feel and where you want the seams is from the comfort of your best fastball and what that is. Kyle, just circling back to the pitch clock thing with Cal coming back mm-hmm. after backing up a base and not having to start that clock till he gets back on the mound. Would you encourage guys in certain situations to say, hey, take your time getting back, take a deep breath, or are they even allowed to do that? Yeah, I don't think – I think you're allowed to do that. I think you can't abuse it. That's the most important thing. Um, Yesterday we had a situation. Philip Deal was the pitcher. He he wears glasses. His glasses fogged up, right? So he he asked for time. He got time. He wasn't charged with a step off. And after the inning, the umpires actually talked to him. I came over because I know what they were talking about. That you know, if that happens, 
Sure, you're certainly allowed to, to ask for time and clean your glasses. Now, if you're going to clean your glasses every <laughs> second pitch or every other pitch, they're not going to allow you to do that. But um, I, I think there are things that's not that we're going to try to use it or getting around things, but kind of just common sense things. You know, don't you don't have to be in a great rush. Just don't slow it down to the point of them calling you out on it. It's like because we're. Justin Clinton came and talked to us, uh, all the broadcasters. Mm -hmm. One of the things he said was like, or same thing with the hitter. You know, the hitter's like, oh, something in my eye, you know. He said, we're going to give it to him. But he said, if God continues to do it, he right. said, everything gets documented. Everything gets oh, yeah. logged upstairs. And if we see a guy's a repeat offender, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you just can't. Yeah, and it's going to be the same thing guys asking for a ball. But it's the same that we talked to the Michael yesterday about. You know, in Cleveland, and there were a couple games last year, the Toronto series yeah, the whole weekend. That's right. You know, Manoa kept throwing balls right. out. Yeah. Um, but typically, so again, you have until the clock gets to nine. Typically, when a pitcher gets a ball, he, he knows fairly yeah. soon, yeah, I don't like this ball, and, and he throws it out. So hopefully it's not going to disrupt what we're the league's trying to accomplish that. Much. So last year there was a lot of talk during the season yeah. about the damn ball. Yeah. Is there any difference? Is that have they? Is MLB said anything about like, hey, we've got a uniform ball now? Or well, they you know suppose I shouldn't say suppose. I mean, there are guidelines in place so that all the balls are rubbed the same way. There are consistencies with that. There's you know humidifiers or humidors and all 30 ballpark. So they're doing the best they can, I think, um, you know, to do that. Uh, you know, Don, Don and I forgot to ask Michael yesterday, like, you know, I guess it's been talked about this winter that certain periods of the season last year, maybe there were three different balls used. Right. Right. Um, I, I don't know why that is. They're just trying to, you know, get rid of the inventory or whatever. So but they, they, they did mention they're still trying to come up with a baseball similar to they use in Japan. Okay, so that's, still... that's, you know, here it is, and you don't have to do anything with it, rub it or mud it. But they just keep yet. running into roadblocks. You know, they found they found one. They thought they were making the headway, but then they found out as the pitcher pitches and starts to perspire and starts to sweat, mm -hmm. well, you know, all of a sudden it changes. There was another set of balls, I guess, that – you know, they were fine, but once they're in the ball bag for a while, um, you know, substance dries, starts to fall off, and then, you know, all the balls get wow. in. So it's just, it's just been hard for them to figure out, but they're still trying. That's pitching coach Carl Willis talking about a variety of subjects, including some of the rule changes, the pitch clock specifically, and how that's impacting pitchers for Cleveland and throughout baseball for that matter. Staying on the coaching front, we had a chance to go one-on-one -on -one with bench coach DeMarlo Hale, who may be one of the busiest people in camp as uh, he's charged with keeping everything running smoothly. Obviously has some help in that regard, but your bench coach normally takes care of the daily scheduling and making sure everyone is getting the work that they need to be prepared for a new season. So let's listen in to our conversation with bench coach DeMarlo Hale. You're the bench coach for the team, and so fans see that during the season that, you know, you're right there with Tito trying to figure out the game plan all that kind of stuff. But spring training, is, is this your World Series, making sure that this team has knows where they're going? Every All these players are in the right spot at the right time on a particular day in spring training to get things done. Well, I mean, 
there's some responsibility in organizing, um, you know, how the day is going to unfold um, because there's a lot more people here at spring training, you know, um, in camp and, and during the season. You, you know, you're kind of down to 26, 27 players. So, you know, but there's help, you know, you, you, you try to get everybody um, opinion, you know, what's important to them, what's important to their department, you know, taking consideration, you know, where it may affect them. And you put it together, you know, and I think sometimes it helps me, you know, experience because I've been doing this, you know, but, you know, it, it kind of starts in January, really. You know, you start formulating the schedule um, because there's different meetings that you're going to have, you know, um, during the mornings and times need to sink in when you get on the field. So, for instance, we're recording this on a day where the weather is rough, right. high winds, cold, um, hard to get on the fields because there was some rain. Uh, you mentioned January. You, you might have had this day planned to, to get some certain, certain things done with batting practice and fielding and base running maybe. Uh, so how early in the day today or maybe even before today did you look at it and say, we need, we need to adjust on the fly here, and what goes into that? Well, we, we do kind of keep an eye on the weather days before, you know, because it's, it's important. You know, usually out here in Arizona, you don't have bad weather, you know, but when you do, so, you know, yesterday, you know, we got a weather report that, you know, it's going to be some high winds and, and possibly rain. So, you know, you start formulating a rain schedule. You know, um, then I sat down with Tito early this morning when it was dark out. We were here. Um, you know, like, look, this is the possibilities. What do you think about this? Um, we got some meetings after the workout. We can push up, knock them out of the way. You know, the team fundamental that we had today, when do you want to reschedule it? Do we still want to stay on time for tomorrow? You talk about all those things. You make a decision. It's like, okay. Because I think what's important is that you need to make a decision because you affect a lot of people. And if you're up in the air too long, you know, now other people, you know, have to adjust doing their jobs, whether it's medical, um, strength and conditioning, uh, you know, trainers, physical therapists. It's, it's a lot that you want other people to do their job as well. So you try to make decisions and make plans a little bit earlier where they can do that. Off subject, you mentioned you, you make these decisions in the dark because the sun's not. How many times have you, there's people who never see the sun come up, but you you and Tito probably have seen the sun come up a lot, huh? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we laugh about it because I think uh, Arizona don't, switch their clocks mm -hmm. they always stay the same so you know sometimes here in march the 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 clocks go spring forward you know from the east coast midwest and whatnot so you know it's, it's going to get lighter quicker um but you still want to start your day at a certain time to be consistent i think we usually start about seven you know where there's some open cage area there's breakfast and then we have a staff meeting you know at a certain point to kind of go over the day what we may need to concentrate on and you know um, who we need to be a little leery of maybe back off but yeah there are days you get here in the dark and you leave in the dark and you know um, the good thing you know 
as you get to the games, Rosie, it, it becomes easier. The first 10 to 12 days, it's a lot going on. But once the games start, because they dictate your schedule, we know we're playing at one. You know, now it's about who's playing and how long they're going to play, what's the workload. Um, let's push them back and do something tomorrow with their playing time. So, you know, you got to get used to it, basically. I, I you know, you got to get used to it. And, and I think, you know, working on the Tito and I've had for a long time, I, I, I kind of got a feel of what he wants. And I think that's important um, as he prepares. And we, as staff and organization, prepare this team for the upcoming season. Guardians bench coach DeMarlo Hale joining us. Uh, you have a lot on your plate anyway in the spring, and now they dump a bunch of rule changes in your lap. Um, how much is that falling on you this spring to make sure the players are, are ready to go, hopefully, by opening day? You know, I, it's falling on all of us, you know, and, and I say all of us because um, Val, the hidden coach we call Val, you know, <clears throat> He's thinking about how it's affecting his, you know, hitters where, you know, time in the box, when in the given, get in the box. You know, Carl as a pitcher, um, coach, you know, he's thinking about that as well. You know, here's Sandy from the catching department, you know, with the pitch comm, trying to get on the same page with the, with the pitcher, you know, and then the infield and outfield coaches, um, JT and Sarby, you know, trying to get, you know, their group really to talk about, you know, are we preparing a little bit quicker? Are we getting set? So it falls on all of us, you know, it, it really does. And, uh, you know, we've had good conversations initially about it. And I think we're going <clears> to <throat> kind of wait to have the, the games start to be played to make notes on, you know, who's a little bit slower, who's a little bit faster to adjustment. So we can talk to players kind of individually because everybody got their own little rhythm and nuances, you know. Uh, but we've been talked about it. You know, it, it don't fall on just one. It, it's all of us. You've been in the game a long time. Uh, you've seen good teams, not so good teams. Oh, yeah. Last year, what a, what a season for this team to make the postseason and expectations so high. Why so for this club? What did you see last year, and, and what are you seeing that, that really has people excited about this year's club? Well, I think last year it started with um, Tito. You know, Tito set a tone, you know, doing his um, um, spring training uh, um, team meeting, you know, that, you know, he shared some things and, and some things that he would like to see. I, I thought he set a pretty good tone, you know, and a lot of times when he set that tone – this makes him pretty good. He realized the personnel and the type of team that, you know, he has and guys that's down in the minor leagues that might be coming up. And I, I, I think he set the tone um, last year very well and how we're going to play the game and how we have to play the game um, in a certain way, you know, competing, you know. And I think those players bought into it, you know, and he leaned on different players. I mean, we had 16 rookies break in. You know, I mean, in one way, that's that's a good thing because these minor league players in this organization, they like, Man, you do good, you might get a chance. Mm -hmm. So I think the competition started to raise because, you know, we got Jose Ramirez. He's stuck at third base. Third base is kind of locked up. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know, you look at all the other positions. You know, there's a quiet competition that 
you know, I'm going to try to do my best and become a good player. But I think it started with Tito setting the tone. And I think this year he, he had a little different message when he had his meeting in spring training. There were some, some consistencies and similarities, but also there was a different message. Like, we ain't sneaking up on no one. You know, expectations just raised a little bit, you know, as a team because of what we did last year. Let's meet him. DeMarlo, thanks for coming by. Enjoy watching the sun come up tomorrow. (laughs) From the inside of the room. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Rosie. Man, good baseball man right there. DeMarlo Hale, he's been at it a long, long time and uh, had an opportunity to manage this ball club a couple of years back when Terry Francona was going through some health health issues and really did a nice job in that regard. And uh, he's good friends with Tito for a long, long time, has worked with him for a long, long time, and uh, certainly does some nice work as the bench coach for the Cleveland Guardians. That's going to do it for this edition of the Rosie Report, episode number three. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Jim Rosenhouse, as always, reminding you, thanks for downloading and listening to the Rosie Report.